Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in today as we uh, endeavor to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and the lordship of Jesus and connect it to all kinds of stuff that's going on in our uh, society today. And as uh, Pastor Andrew and I are excited, we have a lot to talk about today. <laughs> uh, so much happening uh, in our culture of critical importance. But I guess before we get to the news and to what's going on, I wanted to Take a time to uh, thank everybody that's watching and those of you that were able to uh, be, be at our services on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday morning. What a great time that was. Uh, those of you that maybe watched online, uh, thank you for, for tuning in. And it was just a, it was a powerful um, weekend. And, you know, we've been in Isaiah 53 and working our way through that. Yeah. And I thought between Good Friday and all that, the, the, the tragedy of the cross. Yeah. And then Sunday morning, we hit the triumph of the cross. And uh, it was just one of those uh, powerful times in Scripture. I felt really, I felt like the Bible says Jesus was satisfied at, when he looked back at the work of, of the cross. I was satisfied in Jesus' satisfaction, <laughs> if that makes sense. I was like, wow, this is so sweet, you yeah. know, all that, all that the Lord accomplished for us. Yeah, it was a beautiful day, too. Yeah, it was know, I, I think back a year from Easter last year, you know, we're in the middle of our lockdown. Didn't know what was going to be the state of our nation, yeah. and and uh, doing the online service, and just a year later we had you know overall over thirteen hundred people yeah. uh, coming to church, and, worship with us in person. And, and I guess even just to go back to, to talk about that point you just made, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it was so grievous to I think all of us. I'll just speak for myself. Last year when we had to face as a church, what do we do? Do we do we cancel you know Easter uh, in person? Uh, and there was, a, I guess, a lot of feeling, at least among our team, that you know what? Um, no, let's have, it's Easter. Let's you know, let's yeah. believe God. I mean, this is a chance for us to gather and to pray and to do all those things. And and yet there was so much, you know, um, uncertainty and and all that word unprecedented, which has been bantered back and forth so much uh, regarding the the pandemic. So many questions about it. You know, what type of flu virus is this? We've never dealt with something like this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I look back again at that moment, and again, feeling the external pressure upon the church as an institution mm -hmm. to conform. And um, and I think, you know, we've uh, us choosing even this year to gather, just as you heard, we, we gathered in person. I sat down with a, with a family that was visiting, and this is what they said, and you and I hear this all the time. But this is a brand new family, first time at our church. They had two of their grandchildren with them, and... Um, he said, I couldn't believe it. We walked we walked in and we looked around and and people weren't wearing masks. And just so you know, if you're watching our podcast, that's not a policy that we have. Our policy is be be an adult, be a free yeah. American, make your choice that's best for you and your health situation and that's best for your family. But yeah. don't impose your health choice on somebody else. So if you want to wear a mask, then wear a mask. If you want to social distance, then social distance. Yeah. There's no shame for any of that. Right. But there's also no shame for people who want to continue to live their lives free. Yeah, we, we want a shame-free zone in our church. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and this this family, as so many, I mean, we have, we have people that come to our new, our new members' classes and the last two times. Mm -hmm. People have broke down and wept. They said, this is the only place in the whole world, in my whole world, where I feel normal because yeah. they come, they worship. So again, on Sunday, 1,300 people worshiping Jesus uh, with all their hearts. And I just want to say this, since last May, like right after we went through Easter, we decided uh, in May 
to open up uh, in person and allow people to make those kind of decisions. So yeah. when I share with this dear woman who was visiting our church on Sunday for the first time uh, that we have been going since May uh, with no mask mandates and no social distancing requirements, and we have had zero casualties, we've had zero serious situations, uh, uh, it, it, you know, to me, that's all to the glory of God. But it also says that sometimes the truth that we're getting from the media isn't truth at all. It's fake news, and that yeah. this thing has been trumped up for uh, control purposes. We'll get into that in a moment. But, but I just wanted to say again how painful that was a year ago, and how we have made a decision as a church. You know that you know what we're going to continue to be essential. We're going to act essential. Uh, we're going to keep our doors open, and we're going to continue to be the church and minister life yeah. to people. Um, I had another uh, senior lady who had not been able to come to our church for some time because she was dealing with some health issues. She's uh, in a wheelchair and, and in a, uh, a nursing care facility. We went and retrieved her on Sunday, and we wheeled her in, and from the moment the worship started, she just began to weep. She was so overwhelmed with the mm -hmm. presence of the Lord and so touched by God and touched by the people. And it reminded me again, one of the most vicious and wicked things we have done during this, uh, quote, pandemic is to keep people isolated, to keep people alone, to keep people locked away for their own safety. I mean, we're killing people um, in the name of safety. We are absolutely killing people. And this dear woman just came to life because she was finally with people, with the people of yeah. God. Uh, and it just reminds me how critically important it is for us to be together. Yeah, if this was a critical social experiment to say, do we need to be around each other? I think that the answer is a very emphatic yes. We need each other. Yes, Being isolated, uh, f you know, might seem like oh, it's a thing, but in reality, it affects you emotionally, physically, spiritually. It's we, terrible. We need to be around each other. And and I want to encourage those who are watching, maybe who hasn't attended a church in a while. This might not be Living Stones, but other churches. Yeah. Just like when everything, you know. Whenever it is, like go back to church. I've heard many people who are so used to not going to church. They're literally so used to not going to church that even when everything's back open, they're just like, eh, we're kind of comfortable at home just kind of watching on TV. And, and I get a little bit frustrated, and you know this, uh, as a pastor, when I find people that are kind of tis tisking the church, you know, because how come you guys are doing that? You're not loving your neighbor and all this kind of twisted theology. You know, but these same people who are playing it safe, staying at home, being prudent, um, they're going on vacations to Florida, they're going out to eat, they're going out to buy their groceries. I mean, they're living their lives pretty much normally or somewhat normally. They're all masked up, of course, but they won't come and they won't worship the Lord because somehow that's not safe. I mean, I don't get it, folks. Uh, I really don't get it. The 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 inconsistency uh, in some people's lifestyle is amazing. Now, again, if there's legitimate issues to to be a little cautious now, I get it. Some people have had uh, compromised immune systems, et cetera, et cetera. But that should be the vast exception and not the rule. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, in many places, it's I not. just I just have a warning. It's like you get used to whatever you your lifestyle has been doing. You get used to. We all get used to it. You yeah. know. Uh, if I don't go to school for a while as a kid, I don't want to go back to school. You know, it's kind of, it's, you get used to a lifestyle. I'm just saying, make sure you don't get used to a lifestyle and not attending church. Yeah. You know, once everything are open, whatever requirements in your head is fulfilled, get back into church, get back into fellowship. Don't let these these things change your lifestyle, change the mandates, the, the, really the command of the Lord to gather. Don't Amen. forsake the gathering, Amen. regular the, the, gathering of the saints. This whole idea of the church, you know, becoming this online in-home group where we're never connected and never, no. never 
you know, coming for corporate worship yeah. or corporate expression or corporate teaching, yeah. uh, that's baloney. That's just not, that's not scriptural that's at like, all. That's like saying, I have so, I have a thousand awesome intimate friends on Facebook. It's like, no, no, yeah. you, you don't even know half their names. So that's, no, that's, that's an excellent point that, that Facebook is, is this a uh, global virtual community where everybody's connected and nobody's really connected. It's, yeah. it's a fake no connection. Accountability. There's no true intimacy. Um, anyways. Um, so, which which brings me up, because yeah. <laughs> there's been a number of things happening this last week that actually got me fired up in a good way. First of all, and we said this from the moment we, you know, all these mandates were placed upon us, and y'all remember the two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, and after a while around here we said, okay, we're, we're, we're done playing the game, the two-week game. Of course, that two-week game has been going on for over a year now, and I said from, oh, from the get-go that this whole emergency powers thing is really, for, for governors and for executives, is really designed during times of emergency, uh, like wars. Um, and the rare exception, when we talked about situations of, uh, uh, of some type of a, a plague or pandemic, but that word, even that word pandemic gets, gets overblown. And I've said all along, I, I feel like this COVID-19 pandemic it has been no greater than, than some of our regular flu seasons. In fact, we talked about the falls reporting and everything else. And there's been certain diseases that have almost disappeared because now everything <laughs> is called COVID. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this has been so politicized and it's been such a power grab uh, by government officials that it should scare all of us because what's what we've lost during this whole season is, has been a trampling of our religious liberties, especially I'm speaking as a pastor where we've seen uh, unelected government of agencies like health departments have the power to come in and, and shut down or shame uh, churches or businesses from operating or produce ridiculous kinds of uh, limitations on occupancy levels and all this kinds of stuff. And I've said before, this, this is a trampling of our religious liberties because no one uh, official, no one executive person should have the power for very long. I realize there's emergency powers that should be, they should, they should be able to act quickly, right? Because there's an emergency, you can't wait for everybody to come together and, uh, and to debate and deliberate. I get that. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's wisdom in why we allow our executive branch to sometimes make decisions unilaterally. But that decision should not be able to continue on uh, for over a year or even I wouldn't, you know, we can all argue about how long they should have that executive power. But it's certainly under, in my opinion, what we've been under in this last uh, over a year now with COVID in Indiana, there's been plenty of time to call an emergency session to bring our legislators in. They're the ones we elected. They're, they're our vo voice. Right. And last time I checked, our voice matters. This is, this is a constitutional republic. Our voice matters. And so the fact that one person, male or female, should be able to unilaterally say, this is the way uh, we're going to function here in Indiana and, and impose his or her will on the rest of the citizens, causing widespread economic destruction, causing a trampling of our religious liberties. This is something that should not be able to go on. And I'm glad, you know, our Indiana legislature finally passed a, or passed a bill. It hasn't, gone, it hasn't become law yet because it has to go to the governor. The governor is going to veto it, from what I understand. But this was House Bill 1123. 
that basically say there's got to be a coming together of the legislature under those situations and let our elected officials weigh in on behalf of us. Uh, now, again, I love the, the language here because the, the people are saying this is in Indiana, this is not a, you know, an attack on the governor. The governor's trying to do what he believes is the best thing, et cetera, et cetera. This is not the, the House and the Senate attacking the governor, feeling like he's a terrible person. No, nobody's saying that. But what they are saying is, in principle, irregardless of the personalities involved, in principle, our governor should not be able to set policy indefinitely because that's not the role of the executive position. Right. Uh, what do you say about that? <laughs> uh, to me, this is this is not rocket science. The yeah. legislature is supposed to make law. In, in case of emergency, sure, you couldn't call them all back in session. You can't negotiate everything. You can't go through committees. So you got to make a quick decision. I get that. I get that. But as time progresses, when there is time, when there is space, gather the legislature, your local representatives and senators who we voted for personally in our local communities, because the governor is voted by everybody, but the local state reps and local senators have much more accountability because they're much more local. That's what accountability means. Like our state rep is only represents a small group of people. So there's, there's much more connection between me and my state representative than me and, and the governor. Well, so there's a lot more we connection. Have urban areas, we have rural areas, we have I mean, right. we have all different kind of communities right. represented, even in our state. Right. And they're not a cookie cutter. You no. know, you cannot have a top-down type of policy that's that goes over every well, every area. They bring another great point: is is not a free, not a one-size-fits-all policy. But but as things settle down, there is time, there is space. Gather the legislature and have them do their jobs. I don't. That to me, this is a no-brainer. Yeah, this and, and providing a limit. Okay, governor, make make your decision. Something quick has happened. There's an emergency, uh, but then after the dust has settled, let's bring other minds together and let's let's have a a representative form of government. Yeah. Which it sounds to me like everybody, you know, is that's the key word right now. Let let democracy work. You know, well, we're not letting democracy work. In fact, when it comes to these kind of situations, the, the other situation is. What is an emergency situation? I mean, that those are nice terms, but what does that mean in real life? And, and I would argue this whole COVID situation has been a massive power grab that has resulted in the trampling of our liberties, and it was not one of those wartime scenarios that everybody suggested that it was. I think the power, the greatest power, the power to make law, should be in the hands of those who are closest to the people. And I'm just asking you a basic question. Who's closest to the people? Have you met... The governor before, well, I actually haven't met him one time, but that's before he was governor. Most people haven't, but more people has met their state representative yeah. and state senate. That that intimate, more intimate connection makes that they are better representative to actually yeah. decide the situation in the long and, run. And just to be clear, we're not attacking our governor. This is not a personality thing. But, but uh, principally, that makes sense. You yeah, want your exactly. small, your this representative. Is a prin yeah, we're talking about principles. We're talking about the, the genius of our founders and the genius of a... Uh, a form of government that we have that divides yeah. this power. Share. Especially in this very divisive issue of COVID and mass mandate, absolutely divisive. I want the person who's making that call be someone I can call up, who I see. I know my state representative. Yeah. I can go to their community and actually have a conversation. Me with Governor Holcomb, that's probably not going to happen. Most people are not going to happen. Yeah, I or, or even looking at the top-handed way this came down from a federal government. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a no. And, and, I, and I appreciate, you know, uh, former President Trump, the way that he basically did the right thing instead of instead of uh, controlling all that power uh, from from Washington. He said, no, this this is a state this state decision. Um, again, 
localized government as much as possible, making decisions that are best for their communities. So, the, the, but here's where here's where the concern should hit all of us. Okay, you know when you we, we often say if you want to know what's coming to America if we don't experience a revival and we don't get back to our founding principles, uh, just look at what's happening in Europe or just look at what's happening to our friends to the north in Canada. Uh, there's been a massive move towards liberalism and towards progressivism in Europe and toward the North. And what happens on the heels of, of this type of a change in ideology is we end up seeing Christian values and Christian principles trampled. We've been arguing all along. It's not the church's or the state's job to dictate policy for the local church. It's also not the health department's job to dictate policy for the local church. Um, but what we're seeing, especially to the north in Canada, we just had a we just had a pastor who was put in jail mm. for simply continuing to have worship services. He was just released, um, and from what I understand, they're not looking at passing criminal charges, but they are still looking at fining uh, his church for simply opening the doors and having church, which is what. Christians do. It's what pastors do. We lead our people spiritually. Um, but the one that I love, uh, and I'm, uh, this was a Polish pastor, and I appreciate I appreciate our European pastors in America because they're smarter than American pastors. Yeah, they've seen a lot more. They have seen yeah. what socialism and communism does and what a secularist government does to religious liberty. This just happened. I watched the, did you get to see this? The, I didn't watch the video. No. Oh, the video is awesome. I encourage all of you, get online and watch the way this pastor handled this. It was, it was incredible. Polish pastor at a church in Canada says went viral after his blunt response to cops showing up at his church on Easter weekend. Now, let me just say this. We support law enforcement. We support our po local police. Thank God for them. Uh, this is not a bashing of law enforcement, but this is what I'm talking about. This is absolute secularist government arrogance about a half dozen police officers and a uh, local health department person mm -hmm. show up all masked up. They interrupt this congregation's worship of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Passover weekend, right? Mm -hmm. The holiest of all days in the in the church, right? As far as our celebration, they have the audacity to show up and to threaten this congregation and this pastor for meeting. Now, here's what I love about it: this guy stops them right at the door, and he begins to yell out, out, out. He said, "Police!" I'm quoting here: "Police came to disrupt a church gathering." The Gestapo came again to intimidate church parishioners during the Passover celebration. Unbelievable, he says. And he says, Nazis are not welcome here. Do not come back, you Nazi psychopaths. He says, unbelievably sick, evil people, intimidating people in a church during the Passover. You Gestapo, Nazi, communist, fascist, don't you care? He says, don't you dare come back here. He says, if you don't have a, a, uh, a warrant, then get off of this property. Now, that sounds like strong language, but you know what? That's exactly what happened in Europe. It's exactly what happened under the Nazi regime. It's exactly what happened under communist government. And, and this guy, some might, might look at that and say, man, that pastor was a little uh, unhinged. <laughs> but I'll say this. He understands the rule of law, and he understands what the church's role is, and he also understands what government's role is not, and what the health department's role is not, and what the local police department's responsibility is not. 
and that's to come on private property during a time of worship and celebration and to suggest that the secular state is going to impose its view and its laws. And it's and again, these, these local health department people, this is what gets me, why we would submit our liberties to unelected local health departments who are trying to tell us what's right. I mean, I look, I, I'm going to get off on a little tangent here, but I look at even the state policy. All right, today we're liberated, supposedly. We just got liberated by our governor. Again, unilaterally, which is wrong. Yeah. But we got liberated today. Evidently, we no longer have a mask mandate. But here's what I want to get at. We, this is not, None of this is driven by science. This is driven by money. It's driven by corporation. It's driven by politics. What is today? Today is Tuesday. Why is the mask mandate lifted on Tuesday? Why didn't it get lifted on Monday? In fact, why wasn't it lifted last week? before everybody wanted to go to church and celebrate Easter. Yeah. Let me tell you why. Because there was a major event in Indiana last night. Do you know what it was? No, I don't. It was the NCAA, who is headquartered in Indianapolis. It was the national championship game. Oh, okay. Now, we kept all these poor kids in a bubble down in Indianapolis. Uh, we didn't allow hardly anybody to come and watch the game. Uh, we got people on the sideline, which this is to me. I'm guarding you. We're playing a game, right? We're sweating all over each other. I'm breathing heavy on you. You're breathing heavy on me. I might even follow you. I get so close, I follow you. But when I leave and I go sit on the bench, I have to sit six feet away from my, my teammate who I've been spending my life with, and I have to wear a stupid mask. I mean, the whole thing is insane. It, it makes zero sense. Zero science is involved here. This was about money, and this was about not not upsetting the politically correct yeah, apple it's cart. Appearance is psychological. It's all appearance. It's all symbolic. It's all show. It does nothing, because all of a sudden, magically, now it's Tuesday. Yes. The NCAA tournament is over. Everybody's home. We've all made our money. We've all pleased the corporate, you know, corporate America. And now it's Tuesday, and now suddenly, science will tell you that it's safe to wear a mask. Although, what was crazy about this article, which just shows you again why we do not want experts running our lives because experts are not experts. They just bring confusion to the game. But what happened with this Indiana mask mandate is that now it's, it's still confusing. We just moved from a mandate to an advisory. Now, again, none of this was, was law. These were executive orders. Um, so an executive mandate. They're going to mandate you to wear a mask. All that, that, all that the government could ever do under mandates or executive orders is make suggestions to you. So now it is. It's an advisory. Um, but here's the deal. They, they, they say, you know, th th look at the CDC here. Even fully vaccinated people should continue to wear a mask wherever they are in public. What in the world is the purpose of a vaccine if you're still supposed to wear a mask? And, like, remember, do you remember the craziness of all this? This was all supposed to end once the vaccine came, right? I mean, that was the magic placebo pill, right? We take, we're gonna all get in, and we're all gonna get vaccinated, and then this terrible, you know, nightmare will end. Yeah, well, I got my own opinions about vac vaccines. <laughs> I'm not gonna go there right now. No, but, but, but wasn't that the yeah. rationale, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. So I've been even challenging people, and again, I, I never get a flu shot. I have zero plans on getting a vaccination, and I just wanna say loudly and clearly, 
that if the government ever tries to stop your freedom of movement on airplanes or travel and make a vaccine mandatory, you better be screaming as loud as you can. It is a massive infringement upon our civil liberties to, to make your travel and freedom um, contingent upon whether or not you get a shot. Uh, again, it's just crazy. But my point is, now, now, now the mandate is lifted, um, but we still are all facing all kinds of confusion. So, so Pat, let me help you out. So, so if you view through the lens of science and like objectivity and like actual policy that like makes sense, then you're you're gonna you're gonna lose your mind. It doesn't make any sense. But see, I have a paradigm that makes I have a worldview that all of this makes sense. The worldview is that people in power want to be more in power. I have a worldview that says uh, they are controlling forces that wants to move things around because of economic reasons, and they they're 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 people who feels like like they're better than us, they're better than than the sheep, the crowd, and they're making policies and whatever. And and guess what? I, I, just me are personally. You, are you a conspiracy theorist? Are you a conspiracy? <laughs> I simply believe that human nature needs heavy accountability. Yeah. I know I need heavy accountability, and when you got unelected people who everyone's on the same page, there's no accountability. Whenever you push back, they they cancel you, they shut you down, they don't give you a voice. That's not good. And when they start to, the more they can't, the voice they cancel more and more is the voice I'm saying that's threatening this force at B. So based on my paradigm, based on my worldview, this all makes sense. Yeah. All of this makes sense. And you got some other stuff here that makes zero sense that contradicts itself right here. But again, in my mind, it makes perfect sense because. That's what happens when people get in power. People get it's about it's about enriching themselves, it's about money, it's about finances, it's about being power. It's about agendas. It's about a bunch of agendas. Got a personal and, agenda. And with that worldview, that's how I see this. And here's the thing: is you know what I I'm by nature not an untrusting person. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I I I I like to trust people. I like to have a good relationship with people. I like relation. I think relationships are great. But what happens? There's a huge erosion of public trust in all these different institutions. Not because I, one day I grew up and all of a sudden I have a tinfoil hat on my head because I'm just going <laughs> distrustful. It's because of all these weird stuff happen one by one. And here's the thing: is, let me give you an example. This, I'm, so I'm going to mind. Hey, you're great. But you're on a hey, roll. Go for it. So historically, when the church when the churches start losing public trust because of corruption, I'm talking about the church in general. I'm not talking about Living Stone, but church in general. When you when you have all kind of scandals, uh, not being wise with money, Hypocrisy. pa- hypocrisies, pastors doing all those different things. Guess what? Even though our church might be free of cells from those things, we got to be a little bit more careful in how we talk, how we do different things, because we understand there's a general distrust against our church. What we want to do is we want to have the best representation of the Lord Jesus, and we want to make sure that we are transparent and we are letting people know so we can build trust, okay? Just just use that basic example. There is a record high distrust in public institution because of all these different things right now. And what I see personally, I don't see these public institutions say, you know what, I'm gonna go out of the way and build trust because in the day, the constitution is about trust between people and the government. And there's such an erosion of trust and they keep throwing these things, these things that doesn't make any sense out there. And then it's my job, our job is to still blindly trust you instead of thinking there's agendas. I don't think so. I'm not a sheep. I have a brain. I think logically about these different things. So again, you know, I'm not whatever you in conspiracy, whatever, and I'm not a pessimist. I believe in, I believe the best is yet to come. I believe God's moving powerfully in all these different things. But, but just 
objectively, these things doesn't make sense. So I want to ask the government, those different officials and whatever, show us more transparency. Show us what's going on. I mean, you got a couple more other issues here I'll let yeah. you go on to that speaks into the craziness of our culture today. Well, and people people want to know what can we do? Yeah. You know, and, and it really is time to push back. I, I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being unchristian as far as in our attitude. But I'll give you an example. We had one of our, our parishioners here that went to the gas station, okay? They know the gas station owner. They have friends with the gas station, you know, uh, uh, attendant and everybody. They, they do business there on a regular basis. Well, she knows that she'd already talked to the person. When you come in, this is the other thing. You must have a mask to enter the store. Okay, so we enter the store. I say it's a restaurant. We enter the store. We sit down at our table. What do we do? We take our masks off. The whole place is full of people without masks. Right. But somehow when we, we had to enter with a mask, but once we sit, we don't have to wear them. Or, or some of these places I saw, do you see the latest? They, got, they have nose covers. It's a mask that just covers your nose so that you can eat while your nose is covered. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the, the, the stupidity is just unbelievable. Anyway, my point is this. She goes in there and this, this lady from the other side of the world starts screaming at, what are you doing? You, you, put your mask on, you. You're making it unsafe for all of us, you know, and on and on and on. So, so she looks at this lady, are you talking to me? You know, and she gives a little nice pushback about no, I'm not going to live in hysteria. You're going to be fine. If your mask works, then relax. If you're so confident, she says, does this help you? And she, she pulled up her shirt. Yes, that makes me feel safer. Oh, really? So now your hysteria and your phobia is my problem. But here's the crazy thing. Um, she said, you know, I'm out here because I happen to get essential things. The lady walked out of the store. What were her essential things? She bought a lottery ticket and cigarettes. <laughs> so this lady is buying cigarettes and getting a lottery ticket. That's why she's at the gas station, okay? Because that's what she needs. That's what's essential in her world. But she's going to scream and yell and create total chaos for somebody who's simply trying to live their life. So my vote is... If you go to places that have mask Nazis and that's the way they're running their business, they're mask Nazis, then you might want to consider shopping somewhere else. That's what economic liberty does. Yeah, and I think this this issue okay, no, we're not we're not trying to bash anybody I, because I have very very I know very intelligent people, very highly educated people who are all into this, and for me this this is not issue of to me this is really your worldview. It's an issue of worldview. How do you basically see the world? Do you see the world as this way or do you see the world from, I can't describe the other worldview, but from my worldview, it's from a worldview of people are trying to take, there's agendas and people are trying to take control. And I simply, I have the personality that says, no, I, I don't, I'm not gonna be controlled. I'm not gonna yeah. be under that worldview. But, but, but to me, this is an interesting thing because it's, it's not how smart you are, it's not how educated you are. Um, it's really what religion you buy into. And when I use the word religion, people think, you know, think about Christianity. Well, that's what a, a, world, a worldview, just to clarify, because yeah. I've had people say, should people be discriminated on the basis of their religion? I said, well, that, you're asking a, a, a loaded question. Yeah. Let's ask the question this way. Do you believe that there's some ideas that are good ideas and some ideas that are dangerous well, ideas? Good. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You know, and we could all we could highlight dangerous ideas that yeah. I would hope the majority of us would go, yeah, that's a dangerous idea. That so a worldview is really a collection 
of ideas that should fit together coherently Absolutely. that help us explain what's true yeah. and what's and, real. And you have faith in your worldview. You have faith in your paradigm. And everybody has a worldview, and everybody has faith in their paradigm. Their paradigm. So it's to me, it's a religion worldview. And 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 part a part, crucial part of my worldview is saying those who are in power generally try to stay in power. They generally do not give the power back to people. They're rare occasions, but if you look at the history of the world in the last so several mean, decades. So you mean what just happened, for instance, in Georgia, okay? We just had an election that, that the majority of Americans still believe was a fraud, okay? Yeah, now, the power people yeah. don't. The media certainly don't. They'll call oh, it. Oh, you mean the people who got elected don't think the there's people, any Yeah, the people that got elected and this new majority, they don't think there was any problem. Sure, yeah. Okay, so, so Georgia's response, yeah. all right? And the Georgia legislature passes what we would consider common sense law to help reel in all the abuses that happen. Of course, the left calls it voter suppression, Jim Crow. Yeah. But, but what was it that they actually passed? You ready for this, folks? You have to have an ID to prove that you are the person that's name is on that ballot that's actually voting. Now, what we shared was that you have to have an ID to do just about everything in this world. Yeah. And it's an insult. I just want to say this. To, if you are a minority listener and a minority, considered a minority in America, and and having a, presenting a voter ID is something that the elites are saying you cannot do. That is a, that's, you should take that as an absolute insult. What they're saying is you cannot function as a normal American. You don't have the capacity to function as a normal American citizen who has to show an ID for every imaginable kind of thing, uh, as you talked about. So we're going to get into the, yeah. some of the, the response to this. But So they passed this election reform law. And the response of corporate woke America, which most Americans just are gagging over, we're so sick of it. Uh, the response was that the Major League Baseball decides they're going to pull the World Series, or not the World Series, the, the All-Star game out of Atlanta. Didn't I tell you I've stopped watching the NFL, NBA, uh, hockey, I never really watched hockey, baseball, March Madness. Anyway, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, that's the I, reason I, I, why well, I stopped watching But you're not alone. Years ago, yes. Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. There are so many people that are absolutely sick and tired, because here's the deal. You say, well, do, do athletes or does whatever these organizations have the right to have a statement? Well, I would say this. As private individuals, yes. Yeah. But if you if you fail to understand why you exist, like why does MLB exist? Is it a, is it a political uh, organization? No, it is an entertainment organization. Why do people go to baseball games? To withdraw from all the craziness in our society and to have the time to simply enjoy good baseball and to yeah. watch some of the best athletes in the world doing something that most of us can't do and can't do very well, and we find that enjoyable. Why is it that we now ha have got to inter interject progressive wokeism into every single sport? I'm telling you it's going to be the death of, of, of these sports because people are sick of it. We're sick of being preached at. We're sick of having our values insulted. We're sick of all the political leftist agenda that's literally being shoved down our throat. And I'm telling you, it is going to hit these organizations where it needs to hit them in their pocketbooks uh, because people are going to stop, right. just like you. They're going to stop watching. They're going to stop going. They're going to stop buying the jerseys. They're going to stop purchasing tickets because they're sick of it. Yeah. Um, and so this is interesting with the with the election law. We had Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, um, amongst other groups 
that decided that they were now going to boycott, um, you know, uh, Georgia. Yeah, and, and the funny, well, I guess it's not really funny, but <laughs> for those who maybe follow some of the memes, is all these companies require uh, identification for to get a plane ticket, to get a ticket to the games, to get a ticket, I think Coca-Cola had a, a share board meeting. You have to show ID to get into the share, whatever it is. <laughs> yes, you're going to have, a, have a, 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 like you say, a board meeting where you're going to cast your vote. You have to prove that you that you are who you, you say. are who you are. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I don't know what statement. Someone needs to reconcile the statement. Are you saying your right to watch a baseball game is more sacred, more important, more restrictive than your right to vote? And somehow showing, only when you vote. Showing an ID is somehow racist. Well, they they, they 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 refer this to Jim Crow. They you know it's yeah. a to, total insult to minority as far as I'm concerned. Kim Blackwell, who works for the FRC, I believe, and, right, and who's an African American, African American. He was used to be the Secretary of State, State of Ohio. He yeah. said this: <laughs> these corporate woke wokesters have been sucked in by <laughs> Joe Biden's big lie that these laws are racist and un-American to the point of being Jim Crow on steroids. Those of us whose family lived under Jim Crow, speaking himself, who lived Jim Crow segregation decades ago, and also who in modern times have the everyday experience of pulling out photo identification for all sort of common activities like checking in hotel or getting medicine, find that comparison appalling. <laughs> Renting a rental car. I mean, I saw I saw a, a meme on, on social media that listed all the things that you have to show, you know, your identification for. Yeah. Uh, in our world today, which were hundreds of things. And, and then when we ask people to show that, how about this, like, we actually have people saying that, that people in our, in our country illegally, who aren't even citizens of America, should be able to vote. What kind of insane, stupid thing is that? No, what an insult to the American I, people. I saw a, a, a graphic that shows all the nations that requires ID to vote, including nations that we would consider, you know, uh, developing nations, nations that survive in under two, many people survive on two, three dollars a day. Yeah. They are required because people in other nations understand the power of votes and the power of corrupting votes. I, I just got another statistic. This is again, Ken Blackwell saying, yeah. the reality is this. The least favorable poll for voting laws I've seen lately from the Associated Press. Okay, first of all, I don't believe in polls really anymore, but this is astounding. So I don't, t I don't really, I don't really take this to heart. In general, yeah. people throw polls yeah. at me. I'm like, oh, whatever. But this says 70% of Americans support this common sense measure. Other po recent polls say 77%. Per 77%. And here, Americans support this law by over. Black Americans support them by a whopping 38 point margin, 64 to 20. 22. So even, Let's be clear. Jim Crow doesn't get this kind of poll numbers in the black community. <laughs> so even, even our minority Blackwell. communities want voter integrity or else your vote doesn't matter. You're, minority just, you're just a pawn. Use their ID everywhere they go. They have an IDs. I mean, again. So, so, so anyways, here's the yeah. deal. Like for the Johnson family right now, I'm just speaking out loud. We will not be drinking Coca-Cola. Yeah, here's why. There's so many other options, all right? Somebody said one time, you know, some, I tell people, if you're going to bless me, you know, for my birthday or whatever, do not give me a Starbucks <laughs> gift card. Let me tell you why. We were, we've been involved in fighting for marriage and, and for uh, uh, biblical marriage in this state and, and in other states. I've got a good friend that was fighting the marriage battle out in the state of Maine. And do you know who was spending all of their uh, uh, proceeds, you know, that you were driving through and enjoying the coffee and we're enjoying all the other products uh, and they're making all this money. Starbucks spent a half a million dollars to defeat biblical marriage. 
Starbucks could care less about biblical values, and so many other corporations are taking public political stands, attacking your views and my views. And there's, listen to me, there's only one way to get people's attention in the marketplace. You stop buying their product. Uh, you simply draw a line in the sand. And so a long time ago, I stopped buying that coffee because that coffee directly attacks my values and attacks what I believe is the foundation of a healthy and strong nation. And so I'm just not going to do it. Delta Airlines, you know, if you can fly uh, anywhere but Delta, then do it. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the airlines are all in the same, in the same bed together. But my point is when somebody makes a bold-face attack on your religious liberties uh, and is part of the lie, the progressive lie that's all around us, then you do what you can do. And if you can buy products and support other people uh, that support your values, then do it. Um, that's, ec that's called economic freedom. Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> I, feel like I, I shared too much already. <laughs> But no, I mean, you didn't say too. We can't. There's my point. You can't too share too much. In yeah, fact, now's the time to be. To me, just to be bold. This, this is common sense. I, I don't feel like what I'm. What we're saying is even controversial at this point. You know, it's controversial only be, because people th throw names at us. And I appreciate that Paul's pastor who called them. <laughs> yeah. He used. He understands the power of words. Yes, he does. And, and, and the power of language in our current culture, the power of video recording, yep. and power of, because because the, the controllers, I don't even want to call it the leftist or progressive, but I'll call it the controllers, the people who are trying to control, the people of agendas are saying, you know what, you Gestapo, Nazi, communist, fascist. Because he understands the power of labels. Yes. And because we've been attacked with all kinds of labels all the time, conspiracy theorists, uh, hate mongers, and you know, judgmental, whatever, whatever it is. It's like, no, okay, just because you call me that doesn't make me such things. But 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 we understand the power of words. And he is he is saying, look, this I this is what you guys are. I'm identifying you guys as these things. You need to show you're not these things, and the best way to do is, you know, back off. So is leave and stop doing what stop you're doing. Stop doing what you're doing. And again, in America, we've never had to do this. Right now, we are we are having to get back to what is what does it mean? What are our constitutional liberties? What does it mean as free people? And and here I'll just say this, and we'll get into this more in weeks to come. What's really being attacked in America today is our Judeo-Christian foundations of of this nation which came from the word of God and came from Christian principles. That's what's being attacked. Um, and so we need to scream louder and we need to stand. We need to get engaged. We need to, to, uh, to lead. We need to look for ways to engage our, our politicians on these issues. And I know you do this. We send out, you know, we send out reports and, and uh, uh, emails and say, hey, call this person or call your state yep. senator or call your state representative, call the governor's office, call your congressional delegation, whatever. Um, and we must let our voices be heard. And, and then we got to make sure good people get elected. And this is not becoming political. This is becoming, uh, th this is what it takes to preserve the citizenship and the freedoms and the liberties that we have been entrusted uh, from our founding fathers who literally paid for this at the cost of their blood. Um, and so we're a little bit fired up, but you know what? We need to be fired up. <laughs> and I get sick and tired. I, my, my whole excitement, you know, the White Sox are supposed to be really good this year. Um, not that you care, but it puts it, I just want to say it puts a MLB, you put a damper in my mouth because I'm sick and tired of your 
political I'm just wokeness. Saying, hey, I'm sick just, of it. Just, just divorce, emotionally separate yourself from all of those. So you know what? You don't care anymore like me. I used to love. No, I'm not going to emotionally separate myself. I emotionally because... separate from all those teams because you know what? Because they're going to let me down. I'm no. not wanting them to let me up or down. I'm I'm wanting them to know I'm sick of it. I'm not going to support what you're doing. Uh, and my pat my my emotional engagedness <laughs> drives me to say I'm sick of it. All right. Uh, I'm also sick. I, I want to have a mask burning party in my backyard. I'm sick of man. I'm sick of a lot of things right now. <laughs> but there's so many good and positive things going on, and that's where yeah. I set my mind on. And that's why the right, stuff pull my, pull my mind out yeah, of the we're gonna, gutter. Hey, hey, I want you to give us a preview for our next series. Oh, Exciting. come on. Yes, let's talk about. Come on. You know, yes. And, well, and, and we're not down by all this because God's in control. The kingdom yeah, yeah. God's advancing. You know, we're not phased by all this. We're having fun. We're sharing about truth. You yeah. know, we're sharing our perspective, helping articulate why we believe what we believe. But meanwhile, God's in control. That His kingdom is always advancing in the midst of much darker things than this. So yeah. we're not phased. So I know. Not, yeah, you're right on that. Yeah. I, I I also want to say though that yeah. the other side of that, and why we're talking about these things, yeah. is we have a responsibility to act. Yeah. We can't just sit back and watch our republic go down the toilet. So yeah, we're not going to be overwhelmed, depressed, we're not gonna go find our Xanax bottle and you know, and try to deal with life, you know, absolutely not. But we can't just act like this doesn't matter. It, these things do matter, they matter for us, they matter for our kids, for our grandkids, for the future of the greatest nation on the, on planet Earth, it matters. So, right, so the, 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 the two hours I normally <laughs> used to watch my, my NBA teams, I was using two, those two hours to go engage and write, write, my, write my senators, write my governors, engage in local politics. The local politics is where it's at. And so, preach the gospel, preach love the gospel, people. Advance the kingdom of yes. God. And that's what yep. we, you know, this 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 new series that we're moving into on Sunday, which I'm really excited about. I, I'll be brief because I know we've taken you, some of your time already this morning. But it's going to be called, um, it's based on our Now campaign. Yeah. It's called the Now series, right here, right now. And really, I'm going to be building a case for why we, the church, must be the church and why we must move in a spirit of urgency. You know, urgency helps us determine what's important, yeah. what's valuable, and what we need to be acting on. Yeah. And in uh, this, we're getting ready to take a bold step of faith to expand this facility in the most unlikely of times. It's totally the Lord. We give Him all the glory. But it's going to require us to move forward with urgency and in faith and in sacrifice. Yeah. And that's what we're going to hit on for the next three weeks. And so we've got Rodney uh, James coming into town this week. Rodney is the, the one who uh, is our builder and was responsible for our last expansion project uh, and also going to be responsible for this new expansion project. He's going to be speaking at our market, market share, share, which uh, talk a little bit that's Saturday morning. Saturday morning, we have breakfast, uh, free breakfast offered by, supplied by the Bagelers. You don't want to miss it. 8 o'clock. At Livingstone's Church. Come yeah. on out. So come on out. Rodney's going to be sharing about how to run a kingdom business, a Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-led uh, business. If you are coming, please go and register. We need to know how much food to prepare. Yeah. Go to lstones.org, our church website, and there's a link on the bottom. Just click on that and register. Yeah. So, so come on out. Sunday was going to be amazing. We had 1,300 folks worshiping Jesus last week. Uh, it's incredible. It's a new season. It's time for the church to be the church, and uh, we hope you'll come out 8.30, 10 o'clock. Uh, 11.45. You can also tune in online at 10 o'clock and watch our, watch it live stream if you're uh, not in our immediate area. But hey, let's be the church. Stand for what you believe. Stay engaged. Stay happy. We're happy warriors because Jesus Christ is oh, Lord. One more. Yes. So, starting point. 
If you are newer to Livingstone's yeah. Church, we have our kind of a membership uh, introduction class. Uh, it's not really a class, kind of more meet and greet. Four o'clock this coming Sunday. Uh, please just let us know. Call the church office uh, or just come on out on yep. Sunday. Come Four o'clock. We would love to meet you. But hey, let's be the church. You are essential. Jesus is Lord. That means we ultimately win, but we do need to stay engaged uh, in this Amen. process. So have an amazing week. Thanks for tuning in. Share this far and wide and help us get the message out, all right? Thank you so much. Have a great week.